Hello? 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 Rethink. Rethink. Reimagine. Reimagine. Okay. Okay. Okay, America. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to OK America, the show where we are rethinking and reimagining all things happening in this crazy world today, yesterday, and probably tomorrow. I'm your host, Juliette Lamar, the one and only, just like every other unique snowflake on this planet. My co-hosts today are also Dr. Phil Dembo. He's the founder of Life Strategies, LLC, helping highly motivated individuals and performers achieve their peak potential, which is all what we're trying to do here in life, I would hope. And another doctor, I know I'm surrounded, by Dr. Pete Thomas. She is an Air Force vet, a former federal police officer. Watch out. I'm kidding. She's nice. And college professor. She's also a CEO of a cannabis company, Sage Logica. So our topic today is going to be surviving your dream, whatever that dream is, right? And this is something that's very close to my heart as a performer, a creator, producer, TV personality, and whatever hell else you want me to be to achieve my goals here in the entertainment industry. And the obstacles that I have faced in my own career are reflected in the lives of almost all of my colleagues and industry friends at some point with all, along the way. So surviving our dream truly is a daily struggle. And we're bringing in a professional today, someone who has achieved so much. She is a talented actress and producer, but don't just take my word for it. Let me just read off her list of credits. The resume is on the floor. She's appeared in over 100 films, television shows, including A Christmas in Vermont with Chevy Chase, Wronged Boy Next Door. Uh, that sounds scary. And 2018, she created and now produces a yearly four-year consideration, FYC, Independence. So that's an Emmy consideration platform for independent talent and content, which is amazing. So FYC Independence have helped 16 Emmy nominations, including the first African-American married couple to be nominated in the same year for a primetime Emmy and the first trans actor to be nominated for a daytime Emmy. Meredith is amazing. Let's just get into it. I can't keep reading this resume. It's too damn long. All right, Meredith Thomas, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Mayor. Hey, hi. It's nice, hi. To, nice to meet you, Dr. Thomas. And nice hey. to meet you and Phil and Juliet. Um, it's been too long. <laughs> it's yeah. been too long. Hi, Mayor. How you doing? I see you every week on Lifetime. You're dying or somebody's dying or you're a mom or you're a love interest or whatever. I mean, tell us a little bit about, you know, how this, how you hung in there all these years. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Blind faith. I don't know. I, um, I think I, I constantly have been able to ride the stream of where the industry is taking me. I think it's a balance of riding, riding the stream of where the industry is taking me. That wasn't necessarily part of my plan or that I had on my vision board or anything and been, been open to that. And then, and then the other part of it is, is, is making, creating my own opportunities. So it's been a balance of um, when I said yes to my first television, big role in a television movie, I had no idea where that would take me. It, it was, like I said, it wasn't like, I want to be a Christmas movie actress and I want to be a Lifetime movie actress. But, I, but when that whole deal started, I was like, yes, and let's do this. <laughs> you know? and, um, and then, like I said, the, being uh, producing my own stuff um 
felt like I was even kind of late to the game in that. I remember when I was a young actress, when I was in my 20s, and I remember reading about actresses in their 40s that were um, getting, optioning material for when, I'm sorry, optioning material for when they got older so that it would be there for them when they, when maybe the industry wasn't necessarily um, looking at them anymore, they would have this great uh, product to get out there. And I think it's, I could never have imagined the opportunities that are now available um, because people are creating their own, own content. So I, I was late to the game, but I'm, that's where I'm at with that. I think it's amazing that people are creating their own content now. I mean, I feel like it's definitely opened up, uh, it's opened up the market even more. You see a lot of people who are, are taking advantage of, of this opportunity. What led you to really wanting to get into that producing side of things? And then, and then how does it differ from you being, you know, the, the, the actor, the actor on stage? Um, I had set a goal a couple of years ago that I wanted to essentially that I wanted to produce. I didn't even really know what that meant and what that would look like, honestly. And when I set that goal that year, in fact, it was my like word for the year, like my theme for the year that year. I I said producing queen because it I think it's because it rhymed with 17. Well, it also rhymes with 2018 and 2019, so that worked out. So, but I think my word was producing queen for that year. Producing queen 2017. So, I didn't know what that was going to look like and but I just thought I I want to learn this. I want to I want to do this and some of that came with finding material that I thought the world needed to see. And I was going to figure out how to get it out there and let it be seen. Never imagining that it would lead me to producing a live event. I, that was not part of the plan either. I just, was, I just had this idea that I was going to produce. And then the live event was just the way that came together, the FYC Independence Year One, which was 2018, um, I just kind of, again, I was like, okay, I have this idea. I don't know how to do it. I'm just going to do it. And then before I know it, it had all fallen into place. And in 30 days, I had produced an event that ended up five Emmy nominations. Helped. I helped. I gave a platform that helped. That's all I did. And that came out of me initially just wanting to do something for myself. And then I had this idea well, why do I just do it for myself? Why don't I do it for a whole bunch of people? And 30 days later, that's what happened. And I was like, whoa, I kind of, I kind of dig this, <laughs> you know, producing something that not only showcases myself, but showcases other people. Mm-hmm. And it's something that it's a story that you want to tell. I think that's really important. You know, when you you're, you're in the driver's seat, you know, you're in control. So you get to tell the story. And it's fascinating because you can tell whatever story you want. And what kind of stories appeal to you the most? I, prior to deciding that I kind of wanted to move into producing as well, I, I was most proud of the kind of the indie, the, the indie projects that I did. Um, so I was always fairly proud of this political satire that I did that um, came out right before um, Obama's sec- second 
um, but right, it came out right as Obama was came campaigning for his second um, uh, four years. Is what I'm trying to say, and then. Um, and then, or like movies that I did uh, that about foster children, and that it, so I was like, okay, those are the stories that I want to tell that are not necessarily Hollywood blockbusters. So, and it might seem like a dichotomy because I go and I play these women in peril, and like in this, you know, one minute on TV, and then the next minute I want to take, I want to tell these other stories that are not so mainstream, but. My real bug came out of playing a role, a role that I played um, in four years ago in a theater piece that was about Nazis in Los Angeles and like this hidden dark part of Los Angeles. Um, and I was like, I want to, I want to tell. And at the time, it was prior to the current president getting elected. And I thought, oh, this is so timely, and this is well. I had no idea how timely it was about to become. Um, and to, and honestly, I'm still in the midst of trying to make that happen. And um, that the the live things have been easier for me. Really, optioning a script and really trying to make that dream happen has makes me want to just go back to speaking other people's words for a living. <laughs> That's how difficult that feels. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's an incredible leap to go from in front of the camera to behind the camera or vice versa, right? They're two very different worlds. And I love that you said, this is my word, I'm production queen, producer queen. Uh, I'm the same way, I wear a lot of hats. You know, I can, I'm a one person show, I can produce, shoot, edit, and host or act in like anything. That's really exhausting. And really, you don't know where to start. So you said you didn't know where, you know, how to do it, but you knew you wanted to do it. How did you then gather the skills to do it? Because I think a lot of people who who inevitably get fed up with specifically our industry, with the lack of opportunity they see or the lack of uh, positive reinforcement, they say, I'm going to be a producer now. I'm just going to produce my own content. I'm going to put myself in it. It's a lot harder than that. So what are some of the lessons that you've learned along the way? And really, how did you not get stuck just spinning your wheels and then going back in front and back to doing a single thing? Um, to be honest, I still get stuck spinning my wheels sometimes and um I I had to learn well what I had to learn to ask for help just because I hadn't done something didn't mean I couldn't do something and that's kind of and I'm still kind of in that the idea of producing something when I didn't know where to start I would I would sit and spin my wheels and be like this is my dream I don't know how to do it so um I've made some mistakes with like your know, advice from people that I thought were um, were more skilled than I was and listened to them and letting my dream kind of defer a little bit to somebody else. So um, so I, I guess it's just a matter of, of pushing forward and going, wait a minute, no, that's not the truth. And, you know, sometimes people will convince you that there's an easy way and then to the person that says it's going to be an easy way and then you get off on this direction that isn't the vision and then and then other people will tell you how hard it's going to be and then I get stuck in how hard it's going to be so finally I'm in a place where I'm like I am going to when I don't know I'm going to ask for help from people that 
I really, really trust and that have, have done this before me. And I'm not going to listen to the person that tells me how easy it's going to be and, you know, pie in the sky. And I'm also not going to listen to the person that tells me this is never going to happen for you. I'm going to go to the person that has done it and say, work with me and tell me how we can get this done. You know, what's really interesting to me, very well said, Meredith, but what, what's interesting to me is, is that it's almost as if in every in today's world, there's this picture of, of what we think it should be, and then there's a truth of what it takes to get it done. And, and that was really born out of Hollywood because it, forever in a day, there's the Hollywood of Clark Gable, and then there's the Hollywood of the working actor, right? The everyday Hollywood. And it's the same in the cannabis industry, Right, everybody flooded in, thinking this is easy and quick money and whatever. But manufacturing's manufacturing, sales is sales, and and it's an everyday right need to find people who have done it before and all of that. Where do you find the courage? Because there comes that point where people leave your industry, right? The everyday to be a working actor a working producer, maybe that's an easier term to be said today because content can be um, derived in a lot of ways. But you're a working actor. You're a SAG-AFTRA, right, union actress, and you're producing. And you're not George Clooney yet. Maybe you don't ever want to be George Clooney. I'd like to be George Clooney, but... No, neither. So where is that courage? Because people listening in, you know, they're, they're in whatever world they're in. But there is such a similarity. Your, your story, Juliet's story, Dr. B's story, my story, sort of the, the working class success story within an industry right? There has to be the intention to show up to courage when there is so much evidence to stop. What keeps you going? <laughs> yeah, what she said. I think it's, it's the, um, like, it's the, like, sometimes I have to go back and go, oh, wow, I did that. Like for, and, and, and go, that's hard what I did. Like, cause I, I, I'm so grateful, honestly, to be in the game. I, I spent so many years going, just put me in coach. I just, I mean, a lot of years in this industry wishing I could get in the game. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I like, and then going back and go. So I, again, there's a part of me that I guess, you know, as humans, we're so resilient and you forget how painful that moment, those years of the 20s of, of trying to get, like, I, I sometimes need, so I, I need to remind myself, thank you, Dr. Phil, that how courageous it is. Absolutely. Because, um, or I think when I'm talking, I was talking to a friend who had a, a really bad experience on a commercial set, like went back to work and, um, and, you know, on a sad commercial and they had all the, and it was just not a fun day for her. And she was beating herself up. And, and I had to tell her, I said, 
you're a pioneer. You went back to work, number one. You All of these things were up against you, and you're beating yourself up over things that are beyond your control. And I told her the story of one of my movies, which I am now very proud of my performance in. I felt like I was going to get fired after day one. I called my friends and said I was terrible. I, I was terrible. I didn't feel that the director liked my work. Since then, the director's invited me to be in like five more of his films. But I literally went that day and when I wasn't what he needed, I couldn't hold my own with these soap opera stars and I was, and all these things. And, and then, so I have to remind myself about days like that, about how hard this industry is when I'm in the upswing of these moments. So I had years where I would, I remember going, do I still want to do this? And, and then suddenly it changed and I stopped having those years. I just was like, this is what I'm doing. Like I, right. some, some things you're meant to do. And guess what? This is what I'm doing. I had a awful year last year, not in regards to my acting, but in regards to pushback I got from powerful white men in this industry pushing against what I was trying to create, like literally taking my grassroots movement and trying to destroy it. Um, it was nine months. So like now I'm here. I am again, still at it, which sometimes I'm like that blind faith makes me a little insane. Um, but last year, if it, I was in last year at this time, I was in a, a really different place with um, the pushback and the attacks that I was getting with because of the grassroots things that I had created. It was I have to tell you, it was harder on me than like the Me Too movement, you know, like with, and that was a hard year, <laughs> you know, the right. Me Too movement in our industry. Every day I woke up to another story and it was devastating. And, but then when it was so personally attacked at me, which when I knew that all I was doing was trying to give a platform that helped others and myself get seen. It was, oh God, Dr. Phil, I should have actually, now that I think of it, I should have been on your couch all last year. <laughs> so, so I, I, I guess I just keep going. This is what I meant to do. Um, and I remembered in that moment with all that pushback is, is like, you knew when you started this grassroots moment, they would come for you at some moment. You knew it, Meredith. And you, in those moments, you said you'd be strong enough. And now you're not sure that you're strong enough. And then I finally had to come out of those nine months and go, mm -mm, this is not how I'm going to continue. Like, I'm not going to let anybody else rob me of nine months of my year again. And, 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 and in hindsight, if I had stood up at the beginning of that nine months, it probably wouldn't, if I'd stood up for myself at, on day one, it probably wouldn't have been anywhere nearly as painful of nine months. So right. In the end, it was a cheap lesson on just like keep going. What what you decide, you know, what you decide to create to do. If it's in your heart, keep going. Well, you know, you're doing something right when they're coming after you, right? You know, you're being noticed when they give you the time, right, and the focus. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that's really really good. Congratulations on that. Thank you.
You know, I would imagine, you know, you, you and Juliet, you guys are artists and I'm, I love artists because, you know, you're so creative and passionate about what you do. And yet I know it's so challenging because I feel like you're probably constantly judging yourself. (laughs) So how do you get, how do you ever get past this? Is this something that you feel like, you know, this is just part of being an artist where you're always going to be picking yourself apart, even if you just did your best performance ever? Is this something that's just, it goes automatically with being an artist or is this something that you finally overcome? I would say yes and no. I think it's part of being an artist. I hope to be, I hope to get to the place, a place where I overcome and ignore more of it. But no, I like, I'll honestly, I'll go back and I'll listen to this today and I'll judge the heck out of it. I'll say, I'll, I'll hear every, um, I'll hear, I'll hear my unique laugh. I'll, I'll find the spots where I didn't complete a sentence because I got so excited that I wanted to share with you guys that I will totally do that. So um, I had a point years ago where I was like, until you can believe this about yourself, then you need to take, you need to point to moments of successes or point to moments where people that you love and trust said, Meredith, you're amazing, or Meredith, you're daring, Meredith, you're so talented, and you need to hang on their words, because the words you're telling yourself don't seem to be in alignment with the people that you trust. I Yesterday, I was trying to find screenshots for my pr- current Emmy campaign, and so I was going through footage of my latest lifetime, the one, my most recent one that has aired, and I was like, Oh, I had forgotten doing that scene. I was like, oh, I'm pretty good in that. Wow. I forgot, <laughs> I forgot acting in that scene. I went to Sundance a couple of years ago and I emailed the director and said, hey, is my role big enough? Do you think I should make the trip to Sundance? He sent me this really nice email and said, essentially, other than the lead girl, you're the most prominent force in this. I... So I go to Sundance, convince myself to go to Sundance. I'm having drinks with the director and the star of the show. And he says, oh, that bathroom, you know, that bathroom episode we did is the funniest one. And I said, I forgot about the bathroom episode. (laughs) I I show up at Sundance and I'd forgotten half of my performance in this series. Oh, my gosh. That is great. Well, you leave it all on the floor. Like, that's part of acting is that you have to just put it out. Like, in real life, you don't remember what all the time what you said. So if you're acting and you're in the moment, you can't be categorizing it in your head. So that means you're doing a good job. You can't be in the audience and in the scene at the same time, right? It's impossible. Yeah. yeah. Don't you go into a zone? I mean, my background is I I used to be a dancer and I used to dance professionally and do all that good stuff. I feel like when you're on stage or when you're in front of the camera, don't you go into a zone? Beyonce used to call it her Sasha fears. You know, she (laughs) she would take on this different, you know, uh, persona. Do you find yourself doing the same thing? Is there anything that you do to kind of get yourself ready for a role? Is there any persona that you put on? How does that work? I don't, I, I don't think it's a persona. I guess acting in general, we kind of go into the other person's persona. So, um, before, um, 
Eat, Pray, Love, you know, became the movie and when it was the book. And I, I remember uh, reading that when it first came out and it was like the big bestseller of the day. And, um, and my biggest takeaway from that, which I often will write at the top of my scripts as a reminder is tell the truth, tell the truth, tell the truth. And so for me, I just try, I don't have a certain technique or so I just want to tell the truth of that woman in that moment. I don't have children, but I'm often having to tell the truth of this, you know, a, a mother who's lost a child or, um, and I'm just like, let me just tell the truth. And so I think that's why I sometimes forget, you know, I've done that because yeah, I was like, just, you know, in that moment, I was just having Chinese food with my troubled daughter and trying to give her life advice. <laughs> you know? And you really experience that within the scene of that. It's an actual experience, right? I mean, acting is real life and real life can be acting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Life imitates art. Art imitates yeah. life. Yeah. <laughs> Socrates up there. Unfortunately, last year for me, my art imitated politics. And that was just like, ah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my yeah. gosh. How does that work? I mean, geez. Oh, well, we're going to have a lot of I, a lot art imitating life coming, which is good. Like, yeah, we. I was, you know, not to get on to, uh, too much of a tangent, but with like the times that we're living in, I was thinking about everything that I didn't learn as a, a, a grade school student, like all the things that like I didn't learn in social studies and history in, in grade school and high school, and that I learned via art. That I like, I, I, you know, I learned more about the civil rights movement by watching Selma than I ever learned in high school, I learned more about, you know, slavery by catching glimpses of the original roots when that, and like, and I remember like seeing those glimpses and how it much it affected me as a little girl. I learned more, I learned more about the Holocaust when I came out to Los Angeles and played a first generation um, survivor and went and performed at the Museum of the Holocaust. I learned more than I ever learned. And so I think, you know, so what we do is important, you know. So let me ask you a question about that. Mm -hmm. How did you get cast in looking like a, a European Jewish woman from the camps? I mean, that would be I a stretch. For a lot, for, for a <laughs> while in my 20s, I couldn't decide if I wanted, and I, I look tan now, you guys can't see me, obviously, but. Um, I have my little spray tan on because I figured um, it's summer. I might as well act like it is, even though I won't be doing my <laughs> summering this year. Um, yeah. but, you can um, open your window. Yeah. But I have, um, I had, I, for a while, I couldn't figure out if I should be blonde or brunette in my 20s. And one of my friends said that one of my biggest mistakes was, bring brunette in my 20s but um so I played the the first generation Schwester which is Yiddish first sister, um, sister right and um and, but I had brown hair at the time and I had brown eyes so but I wouldn't submit me today <laughs> right <laughs> to, to, to I mean I don't know to play a Jewish woman that is great so to Juliet and Meredith Ooh. Which is which is your favorite on stage, live, or in front of a camera? Good question. Good question. Thank you. 
Thank you. <laughs> I have it written down. Wow. I'm going to let Julia answer first. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Um, you know, there's something about being on stage that is just, it's a high. You know, you don't get it anywhere else. It's that anticipation. It's everything that goes through your head before you step out into that spotlight where you are standing there like, oh shit, I forgot all my lines. I shouldn't be here. Imposter syndrome. And then you go, no, I'm amazing. I've got this. And all of a sudden you like take on the character and you step out and it's this incredible transformation that you go through every time <laughs> that, that is, I've never been able to replicate it. But the camera does offer a slight bit of that. But the thing that I like about being on camera is that it's more so, they're both living in your truth and telling the truth exactly how Meredith so eloquently put it. But I feel like when you're camera, it disappears. And for me, the audience is there. It's more of this like beautiful performance and they're there with me and we're sharing this moment with the camera. It's all you, you know, it's internal and it's like this truth that is happening within you. So those are the two differences for me. Um, I guess with camera, you get to watch it back, which is kind of nice. So maybe slightly that more. <laughs> okay. What about you, Meredith? That's awesome. That's really, I mean, I just, I can't, I could just feel like, of course, you know, I mean, I've been on stage, you feel that energy, you get that from your audience, but I, I hear what you're saying, like behind the scenes, you're having this moment. It's just you, it's the producer, it's just a few people around. So it's like, it's, it's intimate. You really do have to pull something out of yourself, I would imagine, because, and you have the, you have the space to do it because there's no, there's no distractions, if you will. But yet on stage, you get this awesome feeling from your audience. What about you, Meredith? Gosh, I, I wouldn't be able to say that I like one over the other. I really wouldn't because ultimately I just love acting, but I, I'm with you guys that, that feeling of doing live theater. And, and I, I had a stand-up teacher once that said, and I love this, that stand-up is just a yes and with the audience. Like, says so it's you and the audience. Going, but then in some ways, theater is kind of that with the eyes as well. Though, <sighs> I love doing theater. I love, but then, um, and I love that high you get of, just living in that moment and getting to carry it for two hours. You right. bring that for that, those feelings and that live excitement, there's n nothing like it. But then on the other hand, getting, knowing that a, a really solid performance lives forever in right. television, but, uh, but, but also a little like bad performances live forever too. <laughs> Thank God for good edit. I mean, I uh, uh, editors are brilliant because they, yeah, exactly. they make me look much better than I am. So, um, yeah. Well, it's it's so sad that I mean the the pictures of Broadway being silent, right? And thinking that we're we're in this COVID moment where where that energy that you two are describing or the energy I might have doing a live seminar or speaking in front of a group of people versus being on camera on a podcast or a, a video cast or whatever, it, it's harder and harder to think about where will we take, right, live acting. 
and live theater. I know Hamilton's coming out and they're going to do a movie about the production, but it's a movie about the production, right? I mean, it's still the production. Yeah. It's also, I think, one thing that I forgot to mention about live theater specifically, it's also, you're not trying to nail the performance because every single one is different. And I, it's also about really stretching your muscles as an actor. I remember this one quick story. Um, I was on stage in a play and my dress that I was wearing, my costume I was wearing for the entirety of the show, ripped down the middle, right? And no one saw it to the audience, my back was to the audience, but I felt it. And I kind of like reached and I was like, oh shit. And I'm like looking around, we're still acting. And then like my blocking, I had just, I said, fuck it. And I went over to a different part of the stage and I grabbed my, um, my co-star's hand and I like just kind of hugged them and I put it on the back of my dress and they were like, oh, you can't turn around. And it was about to be a very physical part of the scene where I would be dancing, <laughs> okay? And it was just working. And then being on stage, acting, the scene is still going on and being able to, with the other actors, figure out a way in the moment to make everything work. And you have no idea when this is going to happen, how it's going to happen. And that's another thing with live theater. You know, you don't know if the light's going to fall down, you know, if the lights are going to out, costume's going to rip, you know? I don't know if that's the same experience with you, Meredith, but that's just live theater. You can't replicate that. <laughs> Well, but, but take a moment at what Julia just said, everybody, because that's living, right? You don't know what's happening in the moment. You, you make all the plans in the world for it to go a certain way. You have to communicate somehow without destroying the moment and the scene and figuring it out and making it happen. I think we're all doing that every single day of our lives right now in a way where I don't think people were aware of it until recently. Right. If there's a COVID moment, that's a COVID moment. The show must go on. Yes, <laughs> it will. But this show has to go to commercial break. So before we go to commercial break, Meredith, in, in closing with you, um, tell us a little bit, not a little bit, give us like your top tips for taking control of your life, because that's what you've done. And that's how you've made it through is by taking that control. Give, give us a little nugget of wisdom in closing. Top 10. Top 10? Oh, goodness. We're in for it. Did you say top 10? I just, did I no, miss one? No, oh, we're you, top, said, you said top tip. Okay, got it. Top tip, not top 10. Okay. No. <laughs> give, give us three. Give us like three. Or give one. us a Give us a We'll be here all night. Um, I'll say, um, I'll say, ask for help, but ultimately trust your instincts. Tell the truth. Be brave. That's I awesome. love it. I love it. Okay, Meredith, That's how can awesome. people find you if they want to see your upcoming performances? I mean, you're oh. running for your for an Emmy. Like, tell us where they can find you. So you can pretty much find me everywhere at Meredith Actress. On, awesome. on Twitter and Facebook and at Meredith Actress. And, um, that's that. So good to see you guys. Good to see you too. We got to do it again. I'll do it again. And I'll be ready and prepared for y'all. Yeah. That sounds great. (laughs) Thanks, Mir. Thank you so much, guys. Nice having you. Yeah, thank you. In a world that's ever-changing and a future ever-uncertain, more than ever, we're looking for ways to better our life, better our day, and redefine what it means to feel well. We at Kavana Health, an Oklahoma-based, GMP and kosher-certified manufacturer of hemp-derived ingredients and finished products, have had a core mission. All of us and each of us must redefine what it means to live well. 
Whether it's our tinctures, topical, or pet products, Kavana Health remains committed to the highest standards of production and packaging with the highest quality industrial hemp and a state-of-the-art extraction lab. Come shop with us at www.kavanahealth.com or say hello on Facebook and Instagram at kavana.health. We are Kavana Health, redefining wellness. Welcome back, everyone, to OK America. We just finished talking with the one and only Meredith Thomas. And, you know, it resonated with me so much. And she's just a little older than me. And I feel like everyone goes through the same things in our industry. And one of the things that really resonated was the imposter syndrome. And I don't know if that resonated with you guys in your daily lives. But but the creativeness and the imposter syndrome, every time I do anything, I'm like, why did I do it that way? Or why did I do it this way? But recently, I've started just like throwing on the table and being okay with it. And I don't know where that came from. But for me specifically, I think it is because I'm creative, I know there's always room for growth. And if I can't change the path, like I've prepared and done the very best I could. I showed up to my moment and I did it. And then I just move on and I try not to look back at things. She was saying how she'll look back and criticize herself and all the ums and uhs of her episode with us. But I think that I've just truly accepted that I'm growing and that is the, if you're judging me by my last thing and you're not looking towards the future with me, well then bye. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because aren't we always growing? At least I would, I would think so. I mean, I could relate to that so much. That's why I asked that damn question because I feel like, you know, we're always trying to be better than we were yesterday or always attempting to be better than we were yesterday. And I think this is especially true when you are in such a competitive field, like, acting. Oh my gosh. It's very competitive. People just see the glitz and glamour of it, but they have no idea of how much work it takes. I mean, she touched on a lot of key points, specifically being a producer, breaking the glass ceiling, having to get past the good old boys network, you know, wanting to do things that really mean something, create films that, that, that tell a story that isn't being told. I mean, there's so much that goes along with you know, this role of being an, an actress and an act, it's just amazing to me that you're able to, to articulate so much in front of the camera and on stage. You can really tell a passionate story that resonates with people. And I'm just, I'm just blown away by it. I mean, I just, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I'm feeling so wonderful already. I'm, I'm the best. I understand. You don't I'm have just... to just hide your feelings about it. <laughs> Yeah, I love you. I love you. I mean, I just watched the Josephine Baker story. I rewatched this. Okay. I watched this a long time ago. And just, you know, just looking back, Josephine Baker, phenomenal. Uh, one of the first, actually the first Black internationally known um, film star, Josephine Baker. Okay. I don't know if anybody knows this, but just thinking about what she had to overcome back in the day. I mean, she left America, moved to France, you know, because of the racism that was taking place during her time in America. And the stories that she was able to tell from her perspective as a French woman, because, you know, she eventually she gave up her American citizenship. But I find it very fascinating, the stories that we can tell on stage and, and on the camera that can really be powerful messages. Yeah, the metaphor of film and theater is amazing. So, Phil, you're so good at this. So I'm going to task you with it. <laughs> what, what do you think 
is is the reason behind Meredith's tenacity? Because not a lot of people in our industry, you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, it's the boulevard of broken dreams, right? People mm-hmm. come here. They go. They, they go and then they go. And mm-hmm. it's it's a hard industry if you don't have support and backing that you need. And if you just don't have the, um, the wherewithal to stick with it. So how do you think so, the Meredith? Go ahead. Yeah. My feeling about Meredith is that she was willing to fail. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I and I, I didn't get to it in our in this interview, but she was a stand up comic to start. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. And when you do stand up as a woman, in you know as anybody, but you you know you do stand up as as um, and you have to be willing to fail. It's a it's extra rough. <laughs> right. You you kind of believe in your material, and like believing in your talent. I th- I think that is. You know, I don't know. Are we recording? Are we in? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So, you know, for me, it's. Um, I think that's that's a great question, Julia, because you know, people think failure is a an a definition of an identity about them, mm. right? And everybody, if you look at all these great stories and all these great. Um, um, inspirational people, you you really start to realize that with all great success, first comes great failure, mm-hmm. and the tenacity to understand that. Uh, Doctor B asked a question to you guys about you know the self judgment, and self judgment, like every other human um, feeling and emotion, isn't a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It's a bad thing when we think it's a bad thing, right? It's like, why would you be an artist and not be critical of your own work so you keep getting better and better and better? Mm-hmm. That's what I always think is so funny, fellas, when people are like, don't judge yourself so hard or don't, you know, don't, don't think of it that way. Think of the positive. I'm like, the negative is what keeps me becoming more positive. It's what keeps me being better because you cannot just blow smoke up your own ass all the time. And not to the point where you stop living your dream, but you must be critical of yourself. So being critical of yourself isn't necessarily negative. Exactly. It is what you you and Meredith were saying is that you have to be truthful and truthful is truthful. I, I remember when I first met Linda and Linda's beautiful. She's just a beautiful person. She's beautiful physically um, to the eye. And I needed her to see my curvature. I mean, I needed her to see the x-rays, right? I needed her to see the truth of what she's getting into. Because she could tell me every day from now until whenever how handsome I am or whatever. But we all have evidence of there's a truth, right? I'm five foot seven. I'm my spine is like an S. I'm blah, blah, blah. My hair's falling out. I'm I'm smart. I'm, there's a lot of these things about me that are good things about me and things I wish I could change about me, but they don't necessarily have to be negative or condemning maybe is the better word, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? You're perform- I, I, I went and saw, I love talking, uh, speaking the story about, about um, or sharing the story about Linda and I went and saw Juliet in a play in, in Hollywood and, my, the, the play I, I hated the most ever doing. So, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it was a bizarre play, but you were fabulous, and and just watching the pride of your husband, who was your fiance at the time, watching you, and there was a truth of that moment, right? There was just a truth of you being up there with the courage to be in that moment and play that part. 
And I think that's our life lesson today, is that we all have a part to play in this bigger life that's a that's really one scene after another, right? One one um, movie after another. I mean, we're just in it. And if you're not in it, you're watching it. And to me, that's a lot more dangerous. Yeah, Juliet, you said something very profound, actually. Um, and I don't. Of course, I did. <laughs> actually, she says it like it's a surprise. And I don't even. No, but see, I don't even know if you realize what you I said didn't. when you were talking. To- <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me. Tell me how great I am. Just I'm going to tell, 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 tell you what you said. I wrote it down when you were talking about how. You're on stage and the back of your dress rips, you know, it's like a oh shit moment. But at the same time, you know, you have to stay in character. You can't let the audience know that your dress is falling apart. And, you know, it's it does take a lot of courage to be in that moment, to stay in that character. And it reminded me of a time when I was on stage and I actually we're doing a quick costume change and my, my shoe would not, it, it wouldn't come off my foot. Like it was a strappy shoe, wouldn't come off my foot. You know how it is. Your adrenaline is rushing, got a costume change, you're right. on the side. And I just remember having to break the strap on my shoe because I had to be on stage when that curtain came up and be in that position, X marks the spot. So when you said what you said, it reminded me of the fact that you have to show up. You simply have to be willing to show up. And I think that was my key takeaway from that. Having the courage to show up in spite of whatever it is that you're experiencing, whatever tragic that you might be experiencing in that moment, but having the courage to be present and show up in spite of, I think that's a key takeaway point for me that anyone could actually use and apply in their life situation. And, and, and really, I think that people do. How many mm-hmm. people, are, you know, are, are, you know, their feet hurt and they're waitresses yes. or waiters, right? They're, they have migraines and they can't afford not to work. And so they're at their computer doing work, right? right? You, you show up to a moment, you come home at the end of the day, many people, and then they have to still feed their kids or do whatever. And, mm-hmm. right. And, and so to me, that is, the, the message of what our actors and actresses, it's not all about money. It's not all about fame. It really is about acting is truth mm-hmm. and truth can be acting. Yes. And you have to show up. You have to be present enough to do your job. I mean, I just, it's fascinating. I mean, we can go on and on, but I, again, I think this is a really important topic because people tend to just see the glitz and the glamour. But when you start unpacking, unpacking what it takes and, and what an, an actor does, I mean, you really, you get into some phenomenal material, especially when you start talking about failure. You know, I feel right. like failure is nece- it's necessary for growth. Actually, you know, the more you, the more you fail, it's like the quicker you fail, the better off you are because the closer you are to reaching success. Failure is the best well, teacher that we have because mm-hmm. you see when you fail, you can start picking apart why it failed and then mm-hmm. change those things. Because just because you fail at something doesn't mean it's a bad idea or that it is, it's, it's the, I don't know, the wrong implementation. Failing helps you find success. 
Well, and none of it is an end. None of it's an end destination. Not even success. I know that's like, we're never done. Right. Right. Because even your (laughs) high is high. I mean, geez. You're going to have to. I hope to to never be done. done. You're you're still not going to be done because you have this. Now you have a new challenge. But I think that's something that when you're constantly being stretched, you know, and I think as an actor, you're constantly being stretched again because it's so competitive. Well, have you ever experienced being high without knowing what it feels like to be low? How would you know? Exactly. Exactly. Right. (laughs) You cannot have light without darkness. You cannot have life without death. Yeah, it's really we're really getting into like very uh, you know. Oh my god, we're feeling very we're feeling very philosophical today. Oh my god! All right, everyone, aren't we smart? <laughs> we are so smart, and just remember, the smartest smartest non doctor here. The uh, uh, everyone, Amen. everyone, please, if you are interested in joining this conversation, which you should be, we would love to hear from you. So hit that like button, leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you, and remember to rethink and reimagine your entire life every day. That's why we're here. That's why this podcast exists. And we hope to see you again next time to join in the conversation. Bye. Peace.